0: The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. If ever you find yourself staring into the fridge thinking, what am I going to do with all of that? Or why didn't I fill it properly? Or anything along those lines, RTE maintain that they have a uh, an answer to all those questions because next Wednesday, the show Off Duty Chef is kicking off at 8 p.m. on RTE One. It's hosted by a former World Young Chef of the Year, a man who is named in Forbes' as 30 Under 30, that being Chef Mark Mariarty, and he's with us this morning. Morning, Mark. Morning, Anton. So Mark, if people, that that dynamic where somebody opens the fridge and thinks, what am I going to do? Or when they're walking around the supermarket trying to come up with what they should be buying, what are the mistakes that people make? What are the fundamental tips that you as a professional would say to the amateur, look, do this?
1: I think, I wouldn't say they're mistakes, but I think one thing people should focus on a little bit more is ingredients and how you buy your ingredients. Uh, we, We touch on it a lot in the show. It's about not as not not really spending loads of money on really good ingredients but um i always use the beef mince example so it's like if you're looking at beef mince in the supermarket try and get the five percent fat content one as opposed to the 20 percent, because you're paying the same amount of money but you're not going to melt about 20 percent of that away and there's also things like understanding why one piece of steak might be a little bit better than than the others. So in the lineup of steaks, when I'm in the supermarket, I'll always go through them, look for the best marbling, look for the kind of most tender piece. Um, same in the restaurant kitchen. I think the real skill is in, in sourcing quality ingredients. And then at home, it's a little bit more about I suppose confidence, having a bit of confidence, um, not worrying about making mistakes. And I think the last thing is seasoning. So the difference between really good good food and really great food is that little bit of addition of salt or some olive oil or some lemon juice at the end that makes things really, really tasty.
0: Now, I don't know, Mark, I I have been handed with great confidence from people sausages that were a deep, deep (laughs) black on the outside and a bright pink on the inside. I was a pretty confident guy who handed me that.
1: <laughs> yeah no that's true um I think there's there's always bits and bobs that we can use meat thermometers for things like that when we're not when we're worried about it um
0: well, have they actually- caught on at home because I think they are the single greatest invention that humanity has ever i mean you can park the wheel and the jet engine. the meat thermometer has saved so many people so many nights of being curled up on a bathroom floor
1: yeah, and they're really really cheap and like the numbers never lie like people always ask me about in the restaurant kitchen how do you do all the different meats and things to like different temperatures when you're busy a lot of the time we'll have meat thermometers so you'll cook off your meat you'll stick it in your low oven with the thermometer in it and basically when it comes up to 49 50 degrees which is what you want it at, an alarm just goes off and you take it out so there's lots of little tricks that you'll see in the restaurant kitchen that you can uh, definitely use at home and make life way easier for you.
0: And this is one of the things people say, You know, well, if, if you have enough experience, you can tell by touch where things are at. You can put four chicken breasts in the one pan and there'll be a discrepancy of 15 degrees between the breasts. So one will be done and one more. If you can tell that using your fingertips, you are God.
1: Oh, no, and you can't. Like, I don't let anyone tell you you can because even the texture of meat can be different from like breast to breast or steak to steak. So it will cook in different temperatures. Um, the other thing, if you don't have a meat thermometer that we'll do and you'll see it in the show is um, a little little metal skewer. So like if I'm at home and I'm not sure if the steak is like medium or medium well or well done, stick the skewer in it, count to three, three seconds. And then what you do is you can do the lip test. So you just stick the, the skewer on your lip or on your thumb if you're afraid, it's really, really hot. And you'll get a sense of the internal temperature. So if you're looking for a medium or a steak, you stick it in and it should be about 50 degrees for medium rare. So if you imagine your lip is 37 degrees, it'll be just slightly warmer than that. And it's a good indication of uh, little tips and tricks that can get you around these these questions.
0: And presumably it's important as well to know the different requirements from the different meats because you are highly unlikely to hospitalise yourself with a ribeye but messing around the wrong way with the chicken drumstick could be interesting.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, like you can get away with, I mean, you can have steak in, in the form of steak tartare. Chicken is one I always, in the recipes in the show and stuff, and when you see the, the, the written recipes after, I always add a little bit more leeway. So it's always going to be five minutes over as opposed to on the edge cookery. Uh, it's not going to do too much to a chicken breast. But as I say, like getting that meat thermometer, and I know you'll often see it at Christmas, a lot of chefs talking about it in the Christmas shows. One of the best pieces of kits that you can get I think there's one now a fancy one with an app where you can basically stick it in in the oven and you can log into your app on your phone and see what temperature the chicken's at in the oven
0: I'll give you one better if you're if you're into grilling they have them now for the barbecue where you can put up to four thermometers into your various different meats (laughs) and have it all you can sit inside the house watching your meat get hotter it's a hell (laughs) hell of a way to spend a day soon (laughs) enough (laughs) <laughs> so Mark can I put it to you though that there is uh, TV chefs have have a lot to answer for because and I'm I'm going to I'm going to start predominantly with Jamie Oliver but uh, the, beyond him as well a generation of people have been taught that it is possible to create a delicious dinner in 18 minutes I would suggest it's almost always not.
1: <laughs> Jamie was 15 <laughs> Jamie also had an amazing team of uh, chefs behind him making those choices. exactly, and they
0: always start off with we'll just thro- chop three onions and they're always in the bowl it's like do you know how long it takes to skin yeah. them and chop them
1: yeah if my dad did that it would be probably three hours and 15 minutes <laughs> um, there is a lot to answer for but I think the ethos or the idea behind it is good um, Jamie Oliver is a fantastic chef by the way but Um, I think the case in point, even in episode one on Wednesday, is the risotto is the first recipe I have on the show. And just as an idea, people always say, oh, risotto takes, it's a very fancy dish, takes over an hour to make. Um, I actually did an event years ago with a three-mission star chef uh, who did 250 people. And he did risotto for main course to order. And it took him 15 minutes um, from start to finish. It amazed me at the time. and it's one of those dishes, it's just onion, a little bit of garlic, rice, uh, stock, and then finished with cheese and pepper. And you can do it from start to finish in 15 minutes. Um, the rice does not take that long to cook when you have it on a high heat. Um, so once you can chop an onion somewhat quickly, it's it's available to do. The other thing in the show that I suppose is different from your, which the thing annoys me about chef shows is everything's always perfect, which is Clearly, not true, and um, not in anyone's home kitchen or in the restaurant kitchen. So, what we do with our baking segment is we actually do the tray of fails. So, we'll showcase okay, here's how to make the perfect brownie, but also before we do that, here's what a brownie looks like when it's undercooked, when it's overcooked, when there's too much egg, when there's too much raising agent. So, we try and always explain why, as opposed to just here's how you do it perfectly, and here's me, and then new- you brand new shirt that's been ironed and here's the perfect dish.
0: Well can I use you for cancelling purposes on, on that note Mark because you know the, you know the old French um, line that a, um, a person who's angry can't make mayonnaise. Last night I decided I was going to make a Caesar salad and I was a little tense. You know when your fourth mayonnaise splits is, is there a German word for that feeling?
1: <laughs> there is, I, I have been that soldier. And it's funny. Mayonnaise is one of those ones. Do you know if you add a tiny little touch of uh, corn flour at the start? Don't tell anyone. It can it can give you a little bit of extra stabilization when you're going forward. Interesting, but,
0: uh, because that that and the fact that you can feel it, that you can feel it suddenly lose all of that tension. And you're like, and there's oh, there's no way home from this point, And the sweat dripping off. and You know you have to start again.
1: It's like a date going wrong, and you see it collapse. <laughs> <with your> eyes. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's. And it's funny because they're always like, oh, mayonnaise is the most basic dish. Ask 10 chefs oh, or like who work in a kitchen to make a mayonnaise. I guarantee five of them will split it. Oh,
0: yeah. And Hollandaise is way easier. The, the ones way, that... Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, putting this to one side, you mentioned risotto. What about the quality of stock? Because that's the one issue. You go into a, If I go into your kitchen, you're going to have had something boiling for a week and a half that started at 400 litres and it's now about a half a cup of amazingness that becomes the basis for that risotto. Is that replicable at home?
1: It is with chicken stock. Like a lot of the time, if you have roast chicken at the weekend, what I'll do is once you've carved it, um just stick the the carcass back in in a bit of just plain water bring it up to the boil let it simmer way for two hours a lot of the time you can freeze it down in little bags you can also freeze it down in ice cubes but to be honest with you anton a lot of the time i'll use like the little stock pots and um, you're not going to have the most amazing pure flavor of stocked risotto but like who does at home it's still gonna be tasty still gonna be quick you're still gonna have happy people eating it and you can still get some really good quality stocks as well from from the supermarket
0: Have you any tips from professional kitchens? Because I remember um, I I quote him a lot on this but I still think it's genius. Gary O'Hanlon has a rule in his kitchen that a a chopping board never goes on a counter unless there is a slightly damp tea towel under it. (laughs) Because it functions like glue. It's amazing. It's life changing. Uh, And there's a whole load of those little professional restaurant things that you never see in home kitchens. Have you got any for us?
1: You can use a little, you know the microplane grater? I use that for lots of things so obviously use it for cheese but hate peeling garlic so what i'll do is i'll just instead of taking the skin off i'll throw that through a microplane grater and you get lovely garlic puree out of it and at the moment when i would make staff food in the restaurant we have this thing called a thermomix which is a big very fancy blender and i would throw things into it and create pastes and i would create salsas with like leftover herbs and stuff to throw together for staff food to make delicious but at home i use a nutribullet so everything goes into the nutribullet and i'll if there's leftover veg at the bottom of the fridge, even if they a bit sad and there's half a carrot, I'll throw it in, blend it up and use it in like the base of a curry or I'll use it in the base of, uh, of a pie or something like that. Um, they'd be probably two of the tricks at the moment that I can think of that we'd be using in the, in the kitchen every day. Just so you're not like spending an hour chopping stuff down to sweat it off into you... the blender, blend it up, cook it out and you've still got all the nutrition and all the flavour from the veg.
0: On the subject of microplane graters, do you know where they came from?
1: I don't actually. I think
0: this is amazing. Microplane was a company that made woodworking tools. That was all they did was woodworking tools. And some person, I assume it was a chef who was also into woodworking, took what was designed to plane shapes into timber and went... You know, that'd be great for ginger. Wow. And the whole company is yeah. now a, a culinary, it's a foodware company, it has pivoted totally into the food business. And it's now, it's in every professional kitchen, you can't move. Oh, but from And my I use stuff.
1: them, we were always thinking, how do we get the perfect, like even tart case? So you know, you get those like really sharp edged tart cases, but when you try and cut the pastry, it all falls apart in the oven, it, it all looks a bit wonky. So what I do is I cook the pastry, you'll see it in this, ep- in this series in a quiche, let the pastry fall over, bake it in the oven, blind bake it, so then bake it off. And you have this horrible looking, um, pastry case, and you take the microplane to it, and you shave it down pretty much like you would wood, until you get to the the metal, and you get this perfectly straight-edged uh, tart case using the microplane. Genius!
0: Mm-hmm. Is you quiche know. worth doing?
1: Uh, it uh, we have quiche Lorraine in the in the series. I'm actually keen to see how popular it is on the website hits after because I love it, and it's a great one for the kind of working from home. So it's you have it with your lunch with a bit of salad. You know that kind of when you're working from home, you need something in ten minutes. But I've
0: never messed around with the quiche the the quiche the basic is it just is it egg, cheese, ham or is there more in it than that?
1: So quiche Lorraine is bacon a couple of green herbs uh, cream, eggs pepper I have a bit of parmesan in there and I always add a tablespoon of creme fraiche as well gives a bit of acidity through it adds a lovely uh, layer of flavour
0: And then just bake it till it's semi semi semi-firm?
1: Bake it till it's just wobbling yeah It'll, it'll souffle up ever so slightly. Don't fear you take it out. You leave it set in, at room temperature and it comes back down even. Um, and it's really, really nice. You can top it with different bits and bobs you can top it with like make a salsa verde you can have your salad on top the weather's hopefully getting a bit better so as the sun comes out it's a really nice one to have uh, through the summer
0: Well you saw that that Prince Charles sorry King Charles has has decided to go that way for the coronation his, his I, I don't know what a carnation dish is but apparently one chooses one he's opted to go with quiche you know that classic British dish oh, okay. quiche
1: Yeah so it'll be coronation quiche from now on
0: Apparently so Yeah Go with the you, you were in ship. there on the ground floor, Mark, long before that ever happened. <laughs> Mark, best of luck with the show. Hope it goes well. Look forward to seeing it. Mark is going to be on air 8 p.m. or T1 starting on Wednesday. That is Mark Mariarty, and the show is off duty. Chef. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9
1: on News Talk.